Hey, folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You know the drill. We are back to promote the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been a longtime sponsor of Front Row Knowles, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, and you will appreciate the Champions Club if you have not been there. We've been saying this for a couple of years now, basically since it opened. You need to at least schedule a tour. The season's here. Go in, sample it, find out what you're missing. It is a great place to watch a ball game. Florida State uh, is scheduled for a 5 o'clock kick for their first home game, and I know there may even be some more. So if you want to stay out of the heat, you got that opportunity, as well as food and drink, the ability to get up and move around. It's a great place to watch a contest. It's also a great place to watch other contests because they got lots of TVs. And don't tell anybody I said that because, really, we want you sitting in the seats watching the FSU game. But uh, you can check on the other games, too. For more information, you can call 850-you-know-that, 644-1830 to buy tickets or schedule a tour. And now, on with the show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. This is Front Row Knowles First Look. Always a little more uh, exciting on our end, certainly, when you're talking about a victory as opposed to the opposite. And that win against Syracuse, Keith, was not just a victory. It, it's really about as complete a game as we've seen, even more complete, I think, than the NC State victory, which wasn't really in doubt. This one never had a feeling that, that Syracuse was going to get back into it. Not at all. In fact, I've been telling folks, I'll tell our listeners, the, the game was actually 35-3. to I'm not going to count the last two touchdowns that Syracuse scored for two reasons. Number one, it's 14 points. I don't want that on there. And number two, they gained about 150 yards on those last two drives, and they only had 350 for the game. So I'm going to subtract that. Florida State gave up three points and held Syracuse to 200 yards. That's what I'm going to go with. Well, the second teamers were in there, too. No question. And you even saw on that first drive that they sent back in the first team folks and, and kind of um, shut down Syracuse a little bit uh, before they went in for their their, t- their first touchdown there in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was interesting, too. Technically, Tommy, technically Syracuse only had one drive in the fourth quarter. Florida State had drives at the end of the game, which we've never seen before, 10-play ten, ten and 16-play drives. One of them took up four minutes. One, up, one of them took up six minutes. They didn't score on that six-minute drive. That's when time ran out when they were right there at Syracuse's goal line. But we hadn't seen that from this Florida State offense either. So started out well, got up 13 to nothing. As you mentioned, they were never in doubt. Uh, it was a pretty impressive win for the Seminoles. I'm going to channel little axioms from our former football coach here, Keith, who used to talk about the four most important times of a football game are the start of the game, the end of the second quarter, start of the third quarter, and the end of a football game. And if you look at that Syracuse game, Florida State started and scored early. They scored just before the half. They actually scored to start the third quarter, and they got that six-minute drive, and that's how you play winning football. Those are all things that, that Jimbo talked about, and the reason he talked about them is because they're true. Uh, I don't know how much Willie and his staff stresses them. Every coach and staff has their own things that they uh, put priority on. But we do know that uh, for the time that we were being uh, indoctrinated into the Jimbo way, that's what he talked about. And FSU easily ran uh, three of the four, uh, and arguably all four, in this ballgame. So Florida State wins at 35-17, three, as Keith would say. Hornerbrook gets the start. A couple of storylines. We'll listen to Willie Taggart first. You have Hornerbrook as the starting quarterback. He's now 2-0. and We'll talk about that. Obviously, Cam Akers ties a record for rushing touchdowns and plays a lot of quarterback, which maybe that could be something we see more of in the future. The defense gets back on track with seven sacks. 
I mean, everything was pretty positive. I think even though there were some guys nicked up, I don't think any of that was – I mean, we didn't see air casts and guys carted off, which unfortunately we've seen a lot of this year. Uh, Guayo was held out due to illness. He may be back, and, and given that Grothaus struggled, maybe it's back to Aguayo. But I think all in all, it's pretty positive to get that win and get back to 4-4. Four and four. Obviously, you'll go back and look at the tape, and you will not grade it as 100% perfect. You'll pick out the things that you did exceptionally well. Make sure you point that out to the kids. But you'll pick out the things that you didn't do well. A couple things they didn't do well. Number one, penalties. Far too many penalties. I think 10, maybe 11 for the ball game. Syracuse had their, their fair share as well. And, and secondly, they allowed some gash plays. Some of it was second-teamers, but there were times, particularly uh, in the second, third quarter, when DeVito was able to get out of the pocket and make some things going. Now, he's a very exceptional runner as a quarterback. He was sacked seven times, but he did pick up some yardage when he busted containment or would come up the middle. Those are things, penalties and containing a, a, a quarterback that has some mobility, those are things that you've got to continue to look at and continue to work on. Trying to look at his numbers for the game. 13 carries for a net of 32 yards for Tommy DeVito. 22 lost yards on all the sacks. But you're right, he was mobile. But all in all, a good win for Florida State. They get to 4-4. Four and four. Let's listen to Coach Willie Taggart as he breaks down Florida State's fourth victory of the season. Uh, very proud of our, our football team. Um, very proud of their focus this week. I thought our guys had unbelievable focus. A lot of distraction, and they stayed locked in. And, um, and then really excited about the way they came and performed in front of our, our alums and, and our fan base. Um, always good to play in Doak, and, and our guys play well here, and, and it was good to uh, find a way to get a win and put a complete game together for our guys. So um, really, really happy for our coaches and players for uh, finding a way to, to get it done and put a game together like that. And uh, we got to build off of it, and you know, we have a 24-hour rule, so we're going to enjoy this. And then. Uh, it's immediately on to Miami, and we're going to need everybody here again to make Dope Campbell rowdy come next week. Questions? Who we got here? I can't see him. We're going to go to Sean Clerk. I can hear him. Go ahead. Uh, obviously, this isn't the, the first good game that Cam Akers has had in his career. Uh, which, what was it like to see him have performance that he did? Uh, for me, it was it was good to see Cam do what he said he was going to do in this ball game. You know, he kind of spoke it into existence, the thing that he wanted to get accomplished. But um, it's just great. Cam is Cam. He's running hard. He's he's trying to put this team on his back and, and, and help us. And I'm glad he had back-to-back games like that. He, he's got to continue to build off of him. we got to continue to lead him. But uh, he's playing at a high level right now. We need that to continue. Go right ahead, Coach, when did you make the decision to start Alex and kind of what was James's reaction when you told him that Alex is going to get the start tonight? Uh, we made this decision uh, this week. And then um, and I talked to James, and James said he understood and he'll be ready when we call on him. Uh, he handled it like a pro. Um, of course, he wasn't happy with it, but um, he handled it like a pro, and he said, I trust you. And, He's going to be a good teammate, which he's all he is. He's all he is, and, and, and to see him uh, uh, the way he was on the sideline was good. Willie, it seemed like you guys uh, kind of opened up things. I mean, some trick plays. The, the one kind of crazy play that ended up with a 54-yard uh, pass to Tamari. It wasn't crazy. That was entertaining. It was, <laughs> it was entertaining. 
How close was that to the way it was drawn up? And uh, and just did you feel a need to be aggressive going into this game? Do I feel the need to yeah. be aggressive? You kind of you know all the different looks you guys. Well, did. Um, we all, we said from the beginning of the season that we we're going to be aggressive, and there's some games that we haven't been. And um, it was good to go out and be aggressive. Being back home was important to us, and uh, we wanted to. We just feel like our guys um, execute better when we are aggressive. And, and, and on that play, uh, yeah, it worked how we wanted it to. You know, we, we completed it. Uh, uh, it was pretty cool. Brandon. Willie, over. Okay. Hey, Willie. Uh, with the Wildcat formation, you guys went to that quite a bit. I guess, what did you see during the week that, that made you think that would be a, a good plan and, and what worked well about it tonight? Uh, we just tried to find a different way to get Cam the ball and make them defend 11 guys. Cam, the whole line, everybody did a good job executing. Uh, something we had been in uh, Arsenal for a while, and it was just a good time to come out and run. Wayne. You know, Coach, um, just what does Cam Akers do well when you get him in that position, you know, with, you know, the direct snap? Like, uh, it seemed like he ran the read option with Kalen well, and he also, you know, threw the ball a couple times. What, what does he bring to that? Uh, Cam played quarterback in high school, you know, so he was kind of back home, you know, and, and what he's accustomed to doing. So, uh, you know, say uh, what he brings to it, he's had experience doing it, and he understands how to run it, and it just gives us another opportunity to have him and Caleb on the field at the same time as well, you know. So, uh, it worked well. Cam did a good job running, and, and uh, hopefully, we can continue to do it at times and, and help us. Willie, to follow up on something you said uh, a little bit ago, you said Cam did what he said he was going to do. So what did he tell you that he was going to do? He was going to break the record with touchdowns. And he was going to run for a lot of yards. He was going to help this football team win. He was going to put this football team on his back. And he did that. Thanks. Uh, Coach, I know you guys gave up a couple of fourth quarter scores there, but yes. the defense played maybe uh, <laughs> one of their better games this season. I guess what do you think of their play overall? Well, I thought we did, uh, especially early in the game, we did a good job. Uh, uh, with, I mean, they, they like to throw the ball around. Uh, I thought our guy did a good job. I was, we got to him, there's a couple times we got to him and let him off, and um, that wasn't good. But overall, I thought our guys flew around and different guys were taking turns making plays for us. And again, it was disappointing there in the, late in the game to give up those yards and get up, give up those points because we were playing so well, you know, and, and that's something we, Try to pride ourselves on finishing games and, and being dominant. And, and when you give those plays up, it takes away from that. So um, something we got to continue to improve on. And, and again, just have that mentality. You just don't get in the end zone. We don't care what the score is and, and what time of the game is in. We just can't allow that. And, um, and our guys continue to work to, to, to get that mentality and be that way. The comments of Coach Willie Taggart, obviously pleased as Florida State gets back to Four and four. He made it a big point to say it makes a difference being at home, and that's certainly true. Even though the crowd isn't what we want to see, uh, all in all, uh, you know, it was better than the Louisville game earlier this year. And I know we'll have a good atmosphere for Miami this weekend. I'm not worried about that. I want to go back to the start of the game, though, Keith. And uh, I don't want to go too much into the offense here, but to get 13 points right away, and and really to back it up with the defense. I think you said the first six drives they only allowed a field goal. I mean, it really was an, an impressive showing. And then, having said that, Syracuse gets a field goal, and they're kind of hanging around, and then you hit that crazy three-pass play. You get a score on that drive, and that really finished it. That, that play was, um, you know, you hate to talk about gimmick plays. 
normally you run gimmick plays because your personnel is not as good as the other team's personnel or your team is not as good as the other team. Well, Florida State's got better personnel than Syracuse, and candidly, they're a better team than Syracuse. So why do you resort to running those type of plays? To loosen up your offense. Everybody says you do it to loosen up your defense. No, you do that to loosen up your offense and let your kids have some fun and do something a little different. The same thing with the wildcat, you know, running Cam Akers uh, with the direct snap. You know how that looks in practice, but you've never run it in a game or not to any extent in the game. And as a result, you're doing something to try to get your kids to have a little different edge about them or a little bit of excitement about them. And, and I applaud Willie for that. I hate, I would hate to think that their thought process was that we've got to run these gadget trick plays because their personnel's better or their team's better. I hope and I, and I do believe that the reason they put those in was just to mix, mix things up and keep it, keep it fresh and, and keep the kids excited about what they're doing. And in relation to Cam Akers at the, at the Wildcat, I think you're on to something. I think that might be something you game plan for and run six or eight, ten times a ball game because he certainly looked very, very comfortable doing it. Save that until we get to our offensive segment. What are you, where are you on using those sorts of plays? And, well, let me – I'll answer my own question. You can't be running plays with the idea that it forces your next opponent to game plan against them because FSU needed to worry about today uh, and the game against Syracuse. That said, now you have all that stuff out there. So on the one hand, Miami knows about it and can prepare for it. On the other hand, they're going to spend all week preparing for all that other stuff, which means you're spending less time preparing for what Florida State's core is in some theory. There, there's the rationale that says we don't want to show our hand on trick plays and two-point plays. You always want to keep those because there's going to come a time when you've got to run a two-point conversion where you really got to have it. And so, therefore, you don't want to have shown what you've done previously. The other side of it is what I'm talking about, where you show different kinds of plays. Uh, we showed Miami the, the, the pass that they, they called back that Florida State scored on last year on, on a wide receiver pass. Now we've added this double pass with a pass down. Miami's got to pay attention to all those things, but you didn't do that because the better personnel and the better team. You did that for your offense staying fresh, and so I think I think it was a good call at the right time, and I think it maybe plants a little bit of seed with Miami, but you're not going to beat Miami doing those things. You've got to do your base things well, and maybe every now and then throw something unusual. We'll see what happens come Saturday. More in Miami in our last segment. We'll continue the conversation about offense and specifically how they might utilize Cam Akers next week, given we saw what I call the wild cam. Alex Hornibrook told me after the game that's not what they call it, but he liked that suggestion. So if they start calling it that, we'll take credit for it, right? Right. And these days, it doesn't matter if you originated something or not anyway. You just claim it, and there you go. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more on Front Row Knowles First Look. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back. Florida State wins at 35-17. The Knowles now 4-4 four and four on the year. Get set for Miami week. More on the Canes matchup later on. Tom and Keith with you. KJ, let's continue this conversation about Cam Akers. Because Dino Babers made some comments after the game about to the effect of how ridiculous it is when you have Cam in there at quarterback. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's just that much more difficult to deal with them because basically the quarterback is not somebody you're accounting for when he's handing off to the running back. Now you're snapping it to Cam. You still got to account for everybody else. I mean, that, that might be a weapon Florida State can use. Well, two parts. Number one, why do you run the Wildcat or what is known as the Wildcat? So you can get one more player 
blocking, i.e., the replacement for the quarterback, but you design it as a running play. You don't expect your Wildcat quarterback to do an RPO or to even throw the ball. But Cam can do both of those. Let's talk about throwing the ball. We've seen him do that a couple of times. Did that on the triple pass that went to DePari and Terry for that 54-yard gain. We, th- we saw him throw a bubble screen uh, during one of the times he was in the Wildcat. He's a former quarterback in high school, very gifted quarterback, and so he can throw the ball quietly. Some of the FSU players will tell you he's probably got a stronger arm than, quote-unquote, their quarterbacks, but they, they say that very quietly. But more importantly, Tommy, he can run the RPO. He can run the read. We have we have not seen him run the RPO and pass it, but we have seen him run the read about whether he's going to give it to, to, to Leborn or whether he's going to keep it himself, and he probably runs it better than Hornerbrook or Blackman in terms of just looking good doing it. So I think you don't you don't go away from your offense. You don't go away from having your starting quarterback who gets the ball down the field. But I go back to my earlier comment. As well as it looked against Syracuse, I think you've got to consider putting it into your game plan and maybe running it six or eight or ten times during every ball game going forward until somebody finds a way to stop it. You mentioned that it's one, uh, you know, you, you got to account for an additional blocker. They did leave Hornerbrook on the field, but he was split out wide as a receiver. So, in essence, you do have to account for the additional blocker right where the quarterback is, or right where Akers is. But you also got to cover Hornerbrook, even though you're not really thinking he's going to go out and do anything. You got to cover him. Well, and you've got to account for Laybourne, which is my point about Cam running the option. You really don't see a lot of that. I know some teams do that. But you don't really see a lot of it, and you certainly haven't seen it done the way Cam is able to make it work. And, and we've been talking all along about whether Florida State should go with two backs with with uh, both of them in there at the same time. Well, that's a way to get both of them in there. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what, what Kendall Miles and, and the staff does with that uh, because I don't want them to get too cute. I don't want it to be you know a novelty type thing. But I do think they've got something there that, that we saw Saturday night against Syracuse work, and you can't ignore that. Let's go back to the Syracuse game and talk about the job that Florida State's tackles did against those future NFL defensive ends for Syracuse, and also that Kendall Bryles and Willie Taggart and company did, and just the game plan, in general, and Hornerbrook too. Uh, I mean, I thought they did a nice job. First of all, they made a move before the game, to move Dante Lucas from the right side to the left side. So you had two true freshmen on the left side, but you had a left-handed quarterback. So that's not his blind side, per se. He's seeing that. So that was a strategic move. Now, Dante got hurt. By the way, I think he's okay. I say that meaning he's certainly not long-term injury. I don't know what his status for Miami will be. I saw a smile on his face on the sideline at one point after he came out, so I'm reading between the lines that he's not seriously hurt. But So that was one thing. But then I also thought... Hornerbrook only got sacked twice. He made good decisions, got rid of the ball quickly, and they ran some quick little screens right over the def- you know, right behind the defensive end or the area that he had just vacated to the tight end or whoever. I, th- I thought it was it was a good strategy. They did a good job of getting the ball to McKitty. They got the ball to uh, the third team uh, tight end who got his first catch of his career, whose name completely McDonald. Thank you, McDonald. Um, and 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 I thought it was a very well thought out game plan. Uh, they found ways, as, as we've talked about, to get the ball in Cam's hands a little differently. And, and uh, Hornerbrook underthrew a couple of long passes, but unlike last week against uh, Wake, 
when Florida State's receivers dropped some balls in that in that rain and, and in that setting up in Winston, there were a couple of fantastic catches. Uh, Young had an exceptional one there in the fourth quarter, the freshman, for his first catch of his career. So they were certainly helping the offense and helping Alex out. But I, I agree with you. I thought he was very, very um, uh, proportional in what he did. He didn't get too up. He didn't get too down, which is one of the knocks on Blackman. I thought he delivered the ball well. He didn't take any unnecessary sacks. Uh, he didn't throw any interceptions. I thought he operated the offense the way you would want him to, and the receivers came through with some big catches front for him. So sound like I'm a Hornerbrook apologist, but I do think you know the, the win was pretty significant at times on Saturday, and so I think a couple of the long balls that came up short uh, was thrown into the wind, and that caught him a couple of times. Let's go back to Cam Akers. Well, before we go back to Cam Akers, what about the offensive line as a whole? Minshew makes a big difference to me. And now this was Dar- – so let's let's look at this offensive line. Darius Washington, first career start. Dante Lucas, what was it, his fifth start maybe? Maybe his sixth? I think his fifth. Uh, in in the uh, At the center position, Anthony Baselli, first career start. Okay, then you go to right guard and Minshew, only his second start of this year. I know he started earlier in his career. And Roberts, by the way, I keep, is, it, is it Roberts? I keep getting his name messed up in my head. I want to say Reynolds, Roberts. But Ryan, the transfer, and right now I'm having uh, an issue getting it. I'm, his eighth start. His, his eighth start this year. And he'd only started ten starts previously in his career at Northern Illinois. So, I mean, that's that's not a lot of starts for that offensive line. I agree with you that Minshew makes a big difference. He's such a big body that he, he takes up space, and, and, and he's very smart. I think he helps out whoever's beside him because he knows what everybody's supposed to do. I've been very impressed with Baselli. Remember, Baselli came in as a very highly talented um, freshman, signed on scholarship, came into Florida State. Of course, he's the son of the old-world offensive lineman, uh, Tony, Tony Baselli, who's on the Ring of Honor in Jacksonville. He came in under a lot of pressure. I mean, your dad is one of the five best to ever play in the NFL. Uh, he got sidetracked, had some issues, actually left the team, came back, went to school, uh, didn't play but was in school, was literally a walk-on this year, came back and walked on to the team and was awarded a scholarship after the first or second week of the season. He's playing like a man. When I say a man possessed, that, that kind of makes you think he's crazy. But here's a guy that, that lost his focus and lost his love for the game, got away from the game, I think, I've not talked with him, but the, the textbook would tell you he, he missed playing, he missed being with his teammates, he missed what football meant. So now he's rededicated to back to what he's doing. He he has all the physical talents. Now he's rededicated from an emotional and a mental standpoint, and, and I think he's played a very, very good last couple of games for Florida State at center. I, he may well remain the starting center. I think Bavion could have gone. Obviously, uh, Brady got in there. Uh, at, at, at the guard spot, so he was okay to come back. I just think the offensive line has taken a step forward the last couple of weeks. Now, Miami's really good defensively. That'll be a whole different animal. Now let's go back to Cam. You and I have been around here a while. Uh, he tied a, a school record for rushing touchdowns in a game. The guys who've done it, Dalvin Cook, Anton Smith, I recall those games vividly because I was around for him. Greg Allen predates me a little bit. He, fi- he finished playing right after you, so you can speak to Greg Allen. But I guess what I'm really asking is, for a, for a running back, that, that's one of the top performances you'll see to get four touchdowns. He got a two-point conversion. So he scored 26 points, which is the second most points an individual player has ever scored for FSU behind Ron Sellers, who owns the record with five touchdowns in a game. 
it was a pretty special performance. Very special, and you put it back-to-back with what he did at Wake Forest, where he had almost 200 yards from scrimmage, including his rushing and, and pass receiving yardage. He's now over, I guess, 900 yards for the season. Uh, we talked all about, and you, you were one of the first to bring it up, that all of last year he just looked a little different until the last three or four games of the year. And come to find out he had been plagued by an ankle problem that, that had bothered him. It, 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 was, it was an issue, and it was a continuing issue, and a lingering, lingering issue. Well, this year he comes into 2019 healthy. You know, and one of the things that we haven't talked about, and Willie hasn't talked about, is the fact that, that this is Cam's last year. He's a junior. He's draft eligible. He knows because he's seen what's happened to Devontae. He's seen what's happened to other running backs ahead of you. Your NFL career is very short at the running back position. Just because of the, 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 the pressure, because of the hits, because of, of how the, the game wears on you. So I fully expect this to be Cam's last year. I fully expect him to declare himself as eligible. So he's playing like a professional would play in getting ready for their second contract at the NFL. So he has been unbelievably committed. He's been very durable in that he spent extra time in the weight room getting himself ready. He spent extra time in the in the training room, um, you know, after games and after practices to do the things with the cold tub and the hot tub and the, all the other things that you learn about physiologically to keep your body a, 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 as as good as you can. We know he can catch the ball. We know what he can do after he catches the ball. We know he's tough between the tackles. We know he's got a great spurt. Maybe he's not the fastest guy in the league, but he's fast enough. So what you've got is Cam playing for a contract. And you hate to talk about it that way, especially in today's world of student athletes and all that, but the reality is he's that special. And hats off to him because through eight games, he's done everything that a person should do to prepare themselves to be in the best position for draft eligibility. And he's done it with a very humble, very uh, conscientious attitude. He's not a prima donna. He's a he's a, a player's player. He gets along with everyone. He encourages everyone. He, he works hard at his craft, and everybody appreciates and respects that. And he says a little bit. He's not a very vocal leader, but he's vocal enough. And, and I think... When you look back on this 2019 season, at least through eight games, without question, your most valuable player is is Cam Akers. You you stated that all very well. I fully expect that he'll be gone after this year too. Running backs just get too much tread on the tires, and the, nowadays with the salary cap in the NFL, it's all a matter of trying to stay healthy long enough to get that second NFL contract, which is what he'll head to. He's going to go down. It, the, the Florida State team he played on, Keith, the last three years – not as successful as what Dalvin enjoyed or what Warwick Dunn enjoyed. So he's not going to be remembered maybe in that way, but he's going to be in the top five in career rushing and career touchdowns. And uh, he's probably going to, he's not going to get to Dalvin's number one and number two single season rushing March, but he's going to be number three on that list by the time this year's done. And he already broke Dalvin's freshman rushing record. I mean, he, he's one of the all timers at FSU, just not, you know, that FSU's not going 11 and one while he's here. His team's, have not helped him achieve his success, which if you want to stop and think about it, maybe that's a better testament to him because he's done it on lesser clubs. 
Yeah, that's that's succinctly stated and well stated. We'll take a break, come back, flip it, and we'll talk about uh, FSU defense after you deliver this word real quickly. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, well, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can reach them by telephone at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. That's Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Front Row Knowles First Look continues right after this. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Florida State 35, Syracuse 17. This is Front Row Knowles First Look. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Be sure to join us each and every Wednesday at 6 year-round for Front Row Knowles, the non-First Look version, just the Wednesday version. This week, uh, well, I have a feeling we'll talk about the big matchup with Miami, and we'll do more of that right after this segment uh, as we finish up. Let's talk defense here, Keith. I mentioned earlier in the show, you really got to credit the defense. I mean, there was a point in the game, maybe through five drives, Syracuse had two first downs. One of them was because Janaris Robinson jumped off sides or was off sides on a third down. And the other one was because they roughed the punter when Asante Samuel roughed the punter. And Syracuse did not have a first down. And that was, it had to be midpoint of the second quarter. And Florida State already had the lead, obviously. There were three three and outs in those first five or six possessions as well. As well, by the way, that that roughing the punter, man, I, I would like to go back and review that with the referee because uh, while I would acknowledge that Samuels had a little too much momentum, he got clipped and he was literally airborne sideways when he ran into the punter. That's not something you do on your own. That's something you do when somebody clips you, and I don't mean from behind. I mean they caught caught enough of him to get him started. Uh, I, I would eat in that flag, but that's just me. The officials discussed it, too, so I thought they were going to eat that flag. But Florida State went in uh, sort of like hungry dogs a little bit there. They they knew what that tape looked like. They knew Syracuse has not been able to keep anybody off the quarterback, and the good news is Florida State got home seven times. And, and Coach Taggart said it afterwards. Really, there's five or six plays where DeVito escaped and made pot. I mean, they were not far off from double-digit sacks. When you go back and look at the tape, one of the things that Coach Harlan is going to do uh, is he's going to talk to the kids. They come hard on the blitz, but they don't come under control. And what I mean by that, there were three or four times, which is what Willie was talking about, where you had an unblocked blitzer that was coming right at the quarterback. Well, you've got to treat that like a punt return. So you're a gunner covering a punt. You can't continue full speed because that punt returner can catch the ball, sidestep just a little, and you go right by him. Well, that's what Florida State did three or four or maybe five times. You've got to throttle down when you get in with a couple, within a couple of steps of the quarterback so that you can move laterally if you need to and not let the quarterback get away from you. They, they whiffed and waved at him three or four or five times, and that's what Willie was talking about, how they could have maybe gotten the double-digit double digit sacks. It certainly was an aggressive game plan. I, I, it was the second drive of the, the game. I just happened to be charting it because Gene was talking about hams on a blitz but I mean it was six plays and there was a safety blitz three out of the six plays and that's not counting when they're bringing backers I mean they were aggressive all game long and 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 I think that's the mentality that this defense needs to take they're they're not good enough yet to get pressure on the quarterback with four so you got to bring five you got to bring six you got to bring that a little creatively now once they get a little better at it if they do uh, you know then then you can back off of that Uh, I, I know also that you know 
Florida State defensively has not performed well in zone, which means Harlan's going to lean towards playing more man coverage. Well, if you're going to play man coverage, you might as well go ahead and blitz because you don't need all those people to cover four or five people. And and so it kind of breeds on itself. Uh, and Florida State, more than anybody I've ever seen, brings a corner blitz. And sometimes it's hurt them, sometimes it's been good. But my point being is Harlan and his, his staff are going way into the deep bag of, of how to do things in order to try to create that pressure. Very good pressure against Syracuse. Could have been great if people had throttled down and gotten uh, the quarterback a little more. But I like what I saw. I like that type of play. I can live with the gash play and the mistake when you're being aggressive. And I like the way they're trying to uh, put the game plan together, if that makes sense. Let's work from the back forward and start instead of starting with Marvin Wilson and his company, let's, let's start with the safety. So last week you commented that you really like what you're seeing from Akeem Dent. He's got a good future. We didn't have Hamza last week because he got ejected in the first series. Well, lo and behold, you know, what'd he do? What'd he do this 17 week? tackles. I mean, that's, as you pointed out, that's almost half what you had your senior year, and he had it in one game. What, you know, my observations from the sideline are obvious ones. You can always tell when Hams is making the hit because the guy goes backwards, not forward. But you as a former safety, what do you see when you watch Hams apply? He's just got great ball instincts, and, and Akeem does as well. Dent does as well. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't get – they don't take false steps. Uh, they they have great eye discipline. They, they they don't get caught up in all the the motion and the fake. Uh, they do their job. They stay in their responsibility, and then they react to what they see. And and when I say what they see, they they can see a second ahead or a second ahead and a half ahead of what's going on. And 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 they're just their ball instincts are real good. And I think overall, although you know I still get frustrated because our defensive backs don't do a very good job you know, and, and hand fighting for the ball and that type of thing. But you have not seen a wide receiver or a running back running wide open with nobody near him in the last five or six ball games. Well, you can start winning ball games when your kids are doing what they're supposed to do and then start working on that ball fighting and going up and getting the ball at the high point and that type of thing. Uh, I like what I'm seeing. I know the development's been slow. I was very, very critical, and I think justifiably so at the beginning of the year because the, the kids weren't responding. Uh, but I've been very pleased with what I've seen the last four or five ball games, And, and, and certainly Nashville Dean is, is the, the poster kid for what it means to run support. Uh, he, he's just an exceptional athlete. That ball skill and that vision is unique to him, and I think he's a very, very special player. Your criticism from earlier this year was really more towards the cornerbacks, and they continue to be in position. And even against Syracuse, they were even closer to making knockaways. There was one sequence that, to me, really kind of typifies the year, and it was back-to-back plays. Stanford Samuels on one. Uh, I thought for sure – I didn't think he was going to intercept it. I thought for sure he was going to deflect it, but it ends up being a catch. The next play, great job by Asante to break up a bubble screen, and he almost made a circus. I won't fault him for dropping that one. He was horizontal because he got clipped. And he still almost came down with it. And the point there is that they're reading their keys and they're doing what they're supposed to do. The last piece to put together is when they're deep, when they're running with the receiver. You use the phrase that they, they use on the field. This is foreign to me, but in phase and out of phase, i.e. even with or behind. But ball fighting, getting up and finding the ball, whether it's watching the receiver's eyes, whether it's getting their head back around and locating the ball, that's the last piece of the puzzle because you've got to do everything you can, almost like a rebound in basketball. 
to make sure that that opponent, in this case the receiver, does not come down with the football. And, and that's the last piece that they've got to put together. And I know they work on it. I'm, I'm prayerful that they'll get better at it, uh, but I'll believe it when I see it. Linebackers were without Dontavious Jackson, who, by the way, last year against Syracuse, I remember interviewing him post game after that. He had 12 or 15 tackles in that game against Syracuse, so they won without him. Emmett Rice continues to play well. He left the game with injury but returned, so I think he's fine. We saw DeKalen Brooks leave with an injury also. He returned, so he was fine. But uh, in general, your thoughts, uh, it, it seems like the run fits, they continue to be fundamentally sound. Uh, not great but a lot better than where we were at the start of the year. Without question. And I thought the young kids came in and played reasonably well. You know, I'm not a, a, a I've been a, a critic of, of D-Jack in the things that he does after the ball whistle goes. And, and and he's had to learn to grow up a little bit. And he's had some unfortunate penalties that I think were, were completely uncalled for. But based on what I'm hearing from a whispering standpoint, and Coach Taggart didn't address it, and this is purely speculation on my part, pardon me, but he may be out for a while because I think he broke his hand. And I don't know whether he can play with that broken hand or not. Now, I haven't had that confirmed, so that's just Jones sticking his hands out. 30-something years ago, I broke my right hand. Okay, they put a cast on it and I played. Today, they go in and they x-ray. There may be surgery required. It it may just be more than than what is being led on when everything is said and done, and I just hate that for the kid. Up front, Florida State got seven sacks. It wasn't all from up front, but but Marvin had two sacks. He continues to put together a good year. Talking about guys who are probably playing their last year, you mentioned Cam. Everybody expects this will be it for Marvin, too, who will be the next in a, a long line of guys that Odell has sent to the league. But he, he played well, too. He did. And, and, you know, there were folks that said he didn't have a good game against Clemson. Where was he against, uh, you know, uh, Wake Forest? Well, there's some things you can do. Uh, on your offensive line, when your offensive line is as good as Clemson's and, and Wake's is, to double team and to uh, you know uh, do some things to keep Marvin a little bit off, but but he wasn't off tonight, and he's so strong, he's so fast, he's so and and we even saw Cooper and we saw Durden, uh, you know, get through some gaps and make some plays in the backfield. I mean that that front three, uh, I think, has played well enough. They're probably. You know, if Cam's the most valuable player through eight games, the best segment through eight games is your is your is your front three defensive tackles, uh, in terms of how they've played going all the way back from game one through game eight, uh, and and they had a great game against Syracuse, and I'm happy for them, very happy for them. I talked to Janaris Robinson after the game, and his playing time has increased since Kando got hurt. He had nine tackles, had a sack and a half. And uh, by the way, it was good to hear that his his family's going to break ground on their new house. That you know they lost their house in Hurricane Michael, and they're about to break ground soon on the new one. So that is good news. Uh, Amari Gaynor made a big splash when he got his first start after Lars Woodby uh, went out. What have you seen from him since? Not that he's playing poorly, but we I just feel like we haven't heard his name as much. He hasn't had the opportunities that he had uh, early on, but he, I think he's been very consistent. I think if you went, went and looked at the grade, he'd be grading out very high. You want to make sure you make your plays when you have to make them, and then you make your big plays when they present themselves. He just hadn't had a lot of chances to do that, but I've been very pleased with the way I've seen play. Almost like an offensive lineman, you don't notice him. He just makes his tackles and gets up and goes back. Uh, I think he's been very steady, very steady. Anything else on defense before we finish up? Well, certainly they're going to have to take it up another level against the Miami Hurricanes when they come in. 
you know, anytime you get into a rivalry game, stats and, and tendencies and that type of thing sometimes go out the window. Uh, this is going to have to be a group that plays their best ball game of the year if they want to beat the Hurricanes. And, and I think they've been playing reasonably well in what they did against Wake. I think they built upon that against Syracuse. I think the trajectory is upward, but they're certainly going to be tested when the Hurricanes come in. We'll talk about that matchup with the Hurricanes. Kickoff set for 3.30, by the way, if you hadn't heard that news. More on that matchup when we continue on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' First Look, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. FSU wins it over Syracuse, wins it big. The Knowles now 4-4 four and four on the season. And, Keith, I've been... Just I, I, in my mind, I can't wrap my head around who could possibly be the performer of the game, and I'm hoping that you'll enlighten me now. Well, it is time for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game, and I think hands down there's no question. Uh, hats off to Cam Akers. Finishes the game with 20 carries, 144 yards. As you said, tied the uh, school record for four rushing touchdowns in a game. Averaged 7.2 yards a carry, Tommy. His long was 27. So 20 carries for 144 with a long of 27. There are a lot of 6- and 8- and 10-yard runs in there, and Cam, uh, hats off to you. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name? Smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? Well, that's what I call a great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC, offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland, or on the web at trymybank.com. All right, so it's Miami week, 3.30 game, Doak Campbell Stadium. You'd rather be at home than on the road, that said, and it'll be talked about this week. If you look at the history of this series, the road team has actually fared pretty well for both sides. I don't mean to bring that up since FSU's at home, but that that has happened. Uh, Regardless of record, this has been a game that has tended to come down to the end. We've seen it the last couple years. Another subplot would be Florida State trying to get bowl eligible. And even if FSU shouldn't win this week, they still have other opportunities. But when you look back at last year, that's a Miami game that they probably should have won. It didn't work out that way. Had they won it, they would have been bowl eligible. So there's there's a lot rolled up into to playing the Canes this week. <clears throat> Pardon me. A lot of kids played in that game last year. And, you know, one of the things you learn when you play football at Florida State is, uh, you know, the ACC is important. Uh, there is absolutely no question. And now that Miami is part of the conference, that kind of takes care of that issue. But you talk to the old-fashioned guys, the guys that even predate me. You know, Miami and Florida are the rivals. And in the rival game, as I mentioned earlier, statistics and tendencies and that type of thing, it, it's it's funny. I look at the game coming up in 2019 in Doak Campbell Stadium and unlike Coach Taggart and maybe the rest of the staff that aren't going to point back for 2018, I, I would look back at 2018 and say, you know, that's a game we let get away from us. That's a game we let them win. That's a game that we lost. They didn't beat us. And that would stick in my crawl. And that would that would be a motivator for me. And I'm hoping that for some of these kids it will as well, those that happen to be there. Because you and I remember doing that game, and I remember sitting there, and, and if that, if that passed – doesn't get called back on that double pass. Florida State's winning that ball game, and, and the, the consecutive bowl game streak is not severed. And and you've beaten a rival. And I look back on prior games, recent games like uh, Ponder taking off and rushing for 
3,000 yards or whatever he did in that one game, and he's not even known as a runner. I look back at the wide rights and, and, and those types of things. I look back at the time when Miami uh, muffed the, the snap on an attempted field goal. I, I look back at all the players that are involved and even the kids today that weren't around. The, the players are so great that you know their names because all of them are in the freaking NFL Hall of Fame. And, and I focus in on I was that close last year. What do I got to do to get over the hump this year? And compound that with the fact that most of these kids know each other because they played each other in high school or they knew of each other. And Coach Taggart said in his post-game comment when he was asked about it, he's not going to have a problem getting the kids up for this ball game. But are they going to pay enough attention on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday to the game plan, to the tape, to what they look at, to prepare themselves for Saturday to put their best foot forward and to play their best ball game and beat Miami. And that'll be the test, and that'll be the next hurdle this Florida State team's got to get over. I'm going to sidetrack the Miami conversation real quick. In regard to the the pass that was called back last year, I remember at the time that folks were frustrated that Coach Taggart didn't throw a fit or, you know, it was what it was. I I do want to point out, because I don't know if the TV broadcast of the Syracuse game did so, but the first extra point of the game was blocked. And Syracuse was having a player stand on another player and propel himself, launch, lift, whatever you call it. So after the second extra point, which made it 13 nothing, it goes to TV break, and Taggart spent the entire time out talking to referee Dwayne Haight. And I wasn't in the conversation, but I could see by the way he was gesturing. They were talking about what was going on, and Syracuse was basically committing a penalty. So you do that not because you expect them to overturn the previous call, but because you want the refs to look at it the next time it happens. And sure enough, that got flagged later in the game on Syracuse. So credit to Taggart for that. You can you can jump in if you want. We can go back to Miami. But I just think that that's something that, that you may not have caught, whether you're at the game, and I don't know if the TV broadcast showed it. One of the things that we forget, we had this conversation when Jimbo got elevated from offensive coordinator to head coach. The first two or three years that he was the head coach at Florida State, he made some blunders as the head coach. Not because he's not smart, not because he hadn't been in a college game for a long time, but because there's a difference in being a head coach than being just the coordinator. Willie's been a, a head coach at, at, at four different places now, Western Kentucky, South Florida, Oregon, and now at Florida State. But Willie's still in his early 40s. Willie's still a young man. There's a lot of wisdom that Willie doesn't have because he simply hasn't had the experience. And learning through those things and and knowing how to approach those things and knowing when to do and when not to do things is something that he is learning as he goes. And and I think that's a perfect testimony because I don't think last year or the year before Willie would have done that. That's a lesson he learned. I'm not saying simply because and strictly because of what happened at Miami last year but that's part of his maturation process as a head coach and you hate to say that because he's the head coach of Florida State University but we said the same thing about Jimbo the first two or three years that he was the head coach we just kind of forget about that sometimes it's a good point we've only got a couple minutes left and we'll get more into Miami on Wednesday when you look at this matchup so Miami's defense is pretty good their offense, not as much, and they have offensive line issues every bit as much as what Florida State has. I don't know if it's the same level as Syracuse. They Actually, the teams are, are, are a little bit mirrors. They've had quarterback questions. They've had kicking issues this year. 
defensively, you would say that Miami's been better than FSU. That That's one difference. Uh, but what I'm thinking about in terms of last year when Miami came back, and it'll be the same quarterback, is the man coverage and how many pass interference calls there were on Florida State because they didn't get their head around because they were not in phase, to use a term we used earlier. And that part does make me a little nervous. How many of those have you seen this year? Now, obviously, you could argue that Florida State has not gone up against the same caliber of receivers that Miami has. But I would tell you that's an improvement overall, as as critical as we've been of of the corners and the defensive secretary in general. You haven't seen a lot of yeah. defensive penalties. And, the, and to be fair, and I hate to pick on him because I, I like him personally when I'm talking to him, but Kyle Myers was the guy that got flagged for three of them, and he's really not in the rotation right now. Yeah, he's uh, playing at the next level, Will, by the way. Uh, it's interesting to me that it'll always be something. Last year it was pass interference. Five years ago you could pick something else. Seven years before that, ten years before that. That's the way rivalry games are. These two teams, th- this might be a game, Tommy, and again, you mentioned we'll talk more about it in money. It wouldn't surprise me if this is a 13-10 to 10 ball game and neither offense gets to 300 yards. It, it may be a complete defensive struggle. But it also wouldn't surprise you if it was 35-34. to 34. Not, not at all. Because, <coughs> pardon me, there are explosive athletes out there on both sides of the ball, uh, and, and particularly at the wide receiver position. Miami's got talent. Just like Florida State's got talent, so yeah, wouldn't surprise me if it was ten to six, thirteen to ten. Wouldn't surprise me if it's thirty-five, thirty-three. All right, we're out of time for this show. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, he's Keith. I'm Tom, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday on Front Row Knoll. So long for now. <laughs>